Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, it's finally here. It will be one of the biggest movies of the year, if not all time. Avengers Endgame. And I've got a review. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. A new trailer should have had us excited this week, but it had the opposite effect. When is too much too much? And two down, four to go. So far, so good as Game of Thrones produces one of its best episodes yet. Let's begin the show with the end game. Heroes. It's an old-fashioned notion. And I promise this will be a spoiler-free review. 21 films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe all coming to a head as Earth's mightiest heroes assemble one last time to try to fix what went wrong in last year's Avengers Infinity War. And before we get to the end game, if you've gone out of your way to listen to this show, then you know what the Avengers are all about. But if you've just happened to catch this show on the radio and have been wondering, what's all the fuss about this Avengers stuff? Let me give you a recap. The first movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or the MCU, debuted in 2008. Iron Man, starring Robert Downey Jr. as the title character, Tony Stark. And he is in trouble to start this latest movie. years ago I fought my way out of that cave became Iron Man realized I loved you I know I said no more surprises but I was really hoping to pull off one last one you've also got Thor the God of Thunder played by Chris Hemsworth and Captain America played by Chris Evans one of them is angry while the other one has resolved. I saw all these people die. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do. Other founding members of the Avengers include The Incredible Hulk, played by Mark Ruffalo, Black Widow, played by Scarlett Johansson, and Hawkeye, played by Jeremy Renner. They all came together in 2012 for Marvel's Avengers, and it was a blockbuster like the world had quite frankly never seen. It was also just the sixth movie in the franchise. As mentioned, Endgame is the 22nd movie. Since that Avengers movie, we've had films with other characters like Black Panther, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, The Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Don't forget about other supporting players like Falcon, Scarlet Witch, Vision, War Machine, The Winter Soldier. The list goes on. And through all of these movies, they've been building towards this mega crossover where there's this big bad purple guy from space named Thanos. He wants to collect the six infinity stones that are scattered throughout the universe. In basic terms, the infinity stones, if you put them all together, then you have the power to do whatever you want. He wants them so he can wipe out half of all life in the universe. And at the end of Infinity War, spoiler alert, he succeeds. And in doing so, he takes out half of our heroes. And in Endgame, it's round two. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. 
Once again, I promise no spoilers. After all, the Couch Potatoes did recently tell you how the directors, the Russo brothers, put out that plea to the fans, complete with a hashtag don't spoil the end game. So I will indeed heed that suggestion. And yet, the first review that I started to read a couple of days ago from Entertainment Weekly, in the second paragraph, they gave away a really big surprise. It wasn't just a little nothing detail, it was a major thing relating to one of the characters. So I was mad, because when I eventually saw what they were talking about, that surprise had been ruined, and whatever emotional weight it would have carried was lost. Instead, I'll just tell you what I thought of this movie. I was nervous that they would somehow screw it up, but they stuck the landing. It's at 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and some of the early reactions that were posted midweek from critics were along the lines of, imagine the best possible version of Avengers Endgame, and somehow the film still surpasses all expectations. I would pretty much agree with that sentiment. I do, however, have some minor gripes. I didn't like a couple of things they did with some of the characters, but that's it. I otherwise love this movie. Even at three hours long, it's just not a drag. There are articles, by the way, that tell you the best spots to run out to the can, or you can download the app RunP. Also, you don't have to stick around through the credits. There's nothing at the end. There are some cool animations during the credits, but no extra material that teases what's to come. Now, with that long runtime, it is slow at times, but deliberately slow, so I thought it worked nicely because it gives us moments to allow the characters to express themselves in natural ways that weren't rushed. And in the end, that's why we love these movies. It is the characters. Yes, the visual effects are wonderful, but we've all seen so many big visual effects movies by now. If we don't care about the characters, the effects just aren't enough. And Marvel has succeeded so well in this department with all of their movies. There is not a single character on that screen who I don't care about. So to see them get the time they got meant a lot. And even though it's a serious affair, given what they're trying to undo, it's surprisingly lighthearted. It is, after all, still a Marvel movie, and the Marvel movies are fun. So this one remains a fun movie, with some huge crowd-pleasing moments that are major surprises, to the point where people were clapping and cheering. There are also a number of moments that might make tears well up. At one point, the movie was near silent because of what was happening on screen, and all I could hear all around me were people sniffing and sniffling. <laughs> because... Tears, I should say. I'm not making fun of those people. I was fully expecting to cry, but I didn't. This movie also does a great job of saluting everything that's come before it, giving all the big characters emotionally satisfying moments, and then a number of huge emotional payoffs at the end. Avengers Endgame concludes this current phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is an incredible achievement. 22 films with an interlocking narrative at various degrees. Yeah, some of the movies are great standalone films where you don't have to watch the rest, but if you do watch them all, it's that much better to see how they all come together. There will be more Marvel movies. The next Spider-Man movie is this summer. There are plans for more Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy. Will we see another Avengers movie? I hope so. For now, bravo to Marvel for what they have accomplished. Four and a half couch cushions out of five for Avengers Endgame. Before we're done, we still have one promise to keep. If we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. Whatever it takes. Up next.
Let's talking more about spoilers. How much is too much in a movie trailer? You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. We're gonna need the best trackers in the business. Luke Hobbs. I'm what you call an ice cold can of whoop ass. Career lawman always gets his guy. We're gonna need to operate outside the system. Deckard Shaw. I'm what you might call a champagne problem. Rogue former MI6 agent. Doesn't play well with others. If we stand a chance against Brixton, you guys have to work together. No way. This guy's a real... Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And another trailer came out this week for Hobbs and Shaw. Or should I say, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. It's the Fast and Furious spinoff featuring The Rock and Jason Statham and Idris Elba's The Bad Guy coming to theaters this summer on August 2nd. Now, I'm a big fan of the whole franchise, as you know, Brett. I was very excited when this movie was announced. And then again, when the first trailer came out a couple of months ago, which that clip is from. So I was excited when I saw there was a new trailer this week. And then I watched it, and it's, it's just way too much. Most trailers are two or two and a half minutes long. This thing is three and a half minutes long, and it gives away everything. Now, this is unofficial, but I counted 16 distinct scenes in the trailer, 15 of which were not in the first trailer. So not only is it all new stuff, there's just a ton of it. And by the end of the trailer, it felt like I'd seen the whole movie. I mean, it's not a problem unique to this movie. A lot of movies do that, but it was a huge bummer. I don't want this much given away for a, a movie I'm excited to see in just a couple of months. Yeah, especially when the movie is an action film and that's what draws people in. You obviously want to tease the yep. action. And I think yep. the first trailer did a good job when they showed that whatever that kind of dune buggy looking thing they were in was doing a corkscrew spin through the air. So, in like a city setting too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was cool. Yeah. And it, it showed us, it gave us a taste of what this movie was going to offer. And it showed us that this movie is going just as big as any of the Fast and Furious movies, but if not it, more, yeah. But it, you don't want to give away all of the best action, and it looks like we've seen pretty much all of the action. And who knows what the movie will actually end up offering, and how much more of it there will be. But yeah, like you don't want to give away too much of the story. And from watching these trailers, I still don't know how exactly the story is going to play out <laughs> yeah. in terms of twists and plot twists. Like you remember the. That Terminator movie, Genesis, right, where they gave away the big twist in that, and I won't reveal it, but they it was the, the biggest plot twist of the story, and they revealed it in the trailer. And you went to the movie, and sure enough, that was it. Well, the, the, you didn't even need to see the movie yeah. at that point, and I, when I watched that trailer, I thought, are you kidding? Like, that is a huge reveal, and they blew it in the trailer, and it hurt the movie, I think. The movie ended up being bad anyway. But they gave that away in the trailer, and I would have thought that that was the trailer that maybe would make the movie companies go, okay, we've gone too far with trailers, yeah. let's back it off a little bit. But here comes a 3-minute, 39-second <laughs> trailer, <laughs> a super-sized, furious-sized trailer. Uh, exactly. Uh, also, I remember back in the day, uh, Roger Ebert complaining that the Castaway trailer, spoilers for Castaway about to come out, uh, he complained that that trailer gave away too much because in the trailer, Trailer, you know, Castaway is a movie where Tom Hanks is stuck on the deserted island. Yeah. And in the trailer, it shows him in an airplane talking to his buddy saying, 
you thought I was dead and you buried me. What was in the coffin? So clearly he'd been rescued. Oh, jeez. Like, why would they put that in the trailer? Not that you didn't. I mean, I guess you sort of, in the back of your head, know that there's no way they're you know, going to kill Tom Hanks on this desert island. But still, like, how dumb was that? That's something that we you want to be pleased by when you see it yeah. on the big screen. You want to feel the emotional impact of that rescue. So, yeah, that would be frustrating. <laughs> so, yeah, when I watched these trailers, like, I enjoyed them, but I indeed felt like I was just watching sort of a mini movie. Like, when yep. you combine that first trailer, which was two and a half minutes, and then there was the Super Bowl spot, which I guess was essentially a condensed version of yeah. that first trailer, and then this new one. It's like six minutes of stuff. Yeah. So, that's a lot of the movie that... It's already out there. And on top of that, looks like, once again, they're using a lot of CG action. They're really turning into that, which is weird because they were, for many movies, even up into number seven, mostly practical effects. And it was cool. And that was like, everyone was like, hey, wow, this is a franchise that doesn't need CG. They're really, they drop cars off of cranes with parachutes on them onto the roads like the shows up in the movie in that but but yeah now it's just like it's ridiculous yeah like i just i googled just for fun fast and furious cgi cars to see what would come up with yep. and the first hit is uh four insane fast and the furious stunts that weren't cgi fast five threw people off a canyon and dragged a safe around yeah i was one that was the one i was thinking because fast five is the first movie in this series that i watched right and when they dragged that safe down the street i thought this is nuts that might still be their best sequence, period. It was so much fun. Yeah. Fast and Furious 6 drove a, an actual tank. Fast and Furious strapped, so that's the fourth one? Stra- strap- no, no, was, oh, just Fast and Furious? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strapped Michelle Rodriguez to a tanker truck, and Furious 7 dropped a bus off a cliff and cars out of a plane. Now, Furious 7 yeah. also had the one where they jumped the car between buildings, right? Yeah, and so that, that was clearly CGI. But it still looked cool, yeah, and, and it didn't look CGI because it was one car. Yeah, yeah. But what was what was the eighth one called? Uh, the fate, fate of, of the, the furious. furious when they had the fleet, the wave of cars in the New York. Yeah, where they were just dropping cars out of <laughs> out of parkades and whatnot. Now I think they may have actually done that. Because they, I, I remember, I don't know why I know the stats from the seventh one, that they destroyed over 200 cars. Oh, boy. So they, they are actually wrecking. Now, a lot of these are just the frames of cars without any engines in them kind of thing, because why would you waste money on that, right? Yeah. But yeah, so they are actually wrecking stuff, but they are also increasing the CGI every time for sure. Yeah, so when you watch this, you see a lot of action that is clearly CG. I think that actually takes... Some of it away, some of the fun away from... Because I loved that this was a a big franchise that still relied on practical effects because we get so much CG, and now you have the big practical effect franchise turning more towards CG. And and, I mean, Idris Elba's a bad guy in this, and... He's like mutating himself or something. He's got superhuman strength, and he—they call him Black Superman. And it's like, so they're literally turning into superheroes because oh, they yeah. just can't help themselves. I mean, they, the pressure, of course, is that, and they're famous for topping themselves every time. So it's just getting to the ridiculous levels. And there's two more Fast and Furious proper movies yet to come. So I don't know what they're going to do. Is going to drive his hot rod into heaven at the end of it or something? Well, do you think that we have reached? the limits of what practical effects can do to wow us. I think so. It must be. And now we have to rely on CG for mayhem, or is the series just too insane? Like, has it just gotten too far where maybe they should have just stopped making these movies? Well, yeah, I mean, this is the ninth one, technically, and I mean, that's 
more than plenty enough. And they, like they did reinvent themselves with that fifth one, but this will be this is like the fifth movie since then. And most things can't last five movies and still be good. So when is it out? August second. August second. Interesting. Because yeah. I guess they well yeah normally the the Furious movies come out earlier in the summer, but the Avengers laid their stake. Yeah, I think everyone else is re- reacting to the Avengers like now nah, we'll just wait a couple months. All right. Up next, Game of Thrones. The second episode is the calm before the storm, and what a tremendous episode indeed. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. Arise, Brienne of Tarth. A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. My buddies, Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, and that was the episode title for this week's Game of Thrones, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. And Jeff, I've been saying it's one of the best episodes they've produced yet, but I don't want to proclaim or purport to speak for you. What did you think? No, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was was an astounding episode. I've seen some people complaining on Twitter that it was boring. Oh, come on. But these are the people that expect there's going to be a giant battle every single episode this year or something like that, which I don't get. So, I, you know, I'm with you. I thought it was a phenomenal episode. It was, you know, and it took you right up to the edge of the battle, which will presumably come next week unless they go lost styles and do a flashback episode or something and make us wait another week but no it's coming next week yeah so this week uh, yeah it's coming this weekend this sunday so what did you like about this the night of the seven kingdoms well as i was watching it i found myself really enjoying the quiet thoughtful scenes and as i'm watching it i get a text from my buddy burkus who says loved the slow burn game of thrones episode this week so (laughs) he was proclaiming his love for the very thing that i was enjoying about this episode And as much as we're all dying to see the action that they've been building towards and teasing for years, it was nice to have this Calm Before the Storm episode where our favorite characters just sit and talk. You know, Game of Thrones has always had such great dialogue and great acting, so it was fun to see them have that outlet again. Uh, I saw the episode described by many as being like a play, and it was a good reminder for a couple of things. One... Yes, this show has dragons and zombies and magic and huge battle scenes and great visual effects, but it's always been the characters. Like, none of that stuff matters if you don't care about the characters. And the characters have always made it so interesting. Season 7 was a fast-paced season, and many complained about that. I was not among those complaining. I mean, we didn't get as much of the cool character-driven stuff as we had before. But I wasn't sad about that because, you know, at this point I want to get to the main event. But this episode made me remember why I fell in love with this show in the first place. Great, well-written characters played by an absolutely magnificent cast. The second thing it did was by giving us this healthy serving of our favorite characters, it reminded us of what is at stake as we enter the battle that will surely lead to the deaths of many of our favorite characters. Mm-hmm. There's no way they all get out alive. So by helping us reattach ourselves emotionally to all of these characters, it's going to hurt that much more when we lose some of them. Absolutely. That's what I thought, too. I was like, I was watching, I was like, oh, now I remember, like, I'm, I'm actually going to be bummed when some of these people die next week or the week or by the end of it, whenever they die. Because like you said, some of them will die. And it was a great reminder that I actually do care about some of these characters because that fast pace last year where you didn't get to spend a lot of character time with people. And it's been 
That wasn't last year. It was the year before. It's been a long time since we've seen anything like that from a lot of these people. And especially that, I mean, Brienne getting knighted was great. I probably cried. I'll never admit that I cried. But that was a great scene because she's one of my favorite characters by far in this. And now, and and it gives her the happy ending. Even if she does go on to die in one of this next week's battle, or I assume there's a battle against uh, Cersei at the end or something. Yeah. So if she doesn't make it to the end of the show, we'll still think when someone says Brienne of Tarth, we'll think back to this moment. We won't think of when she died, but we'll think of the happy ending she got here with the smile on her face, possibly the first smile she's cracked in eight years. And that whole thing with all those guys in that scene, sitting around the fire, having a chat, it reminded me of the Cheers finale. Do you watch the Cheers finale? Do yep. you remember that? Yep. Now, it was a mostly clunky finale that had a lot of like sometimes on shows they do these finales where oh every character has to get their certain ending blah 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 and it did all that and it didn't do a great job of that but then the last 10 minutes of the cheers was all the characters just sitting around the bar having one last drink together and just shooting the breeze about life in general and it's one of the best sitcom scenes of all time and it was the perfect ending for that show and this reminded me of that and so and especially because if i wrote out like my list of 10 favorite characters, five of them would be uh, Brienne, Tyrion, Jamie, Sir Davos, and Tormund Giants Bane. Yeah. And they were all in that scene. And, and it's an unlikely cast of five people to be sitting together. And I thought it was just wonderful. Yeah, it was, it was a, if, unique to see them all getting to interact together and commiserate and, and to just enjoy each other's company as they're awaiting certain yeah. doom. <laughs> and the fact that the show is able to cut that tension because we're just waiting for the Night King and his army to show up and break down the doors, and yet we can still have a laugh at Tormund spilling his drink all over himself as he chugs it and talking about how he would knight Trienne ten times, oh or uh, Brienne of Tarth and, ten and times the over. Other, the story he told that it will disturb me for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, about the, 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 the milk. The milk. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so they, they, they're able to, to effectively use comedy to cut the tension. People also, I guess, on social media are complaining about seeing Arya Stark get down and, and dirty and do some uh, some, I, I some sexy pa- time. I had to pause it, and I was like, how old is this actress again? And I was like, okay, good. Well, she's so, in her 20s, right? No, she's 22, yeah. Okay. But it freaked me out because I'm still, because when it, the show started, she was like 10 yeah. or 12, I guess. It's been almost 10 years, right? So yeah, that freaked me out, too. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a problem with it when I, I was just like, I was startled by it, that's for sure. Well, and what's funny, though, about all of that reaction? Action from people is so it's okay to watch Arya kill people in cold yeah, yeah, yeah. and violent blood, but she takes the shirt off and all hell breaks loose. Oh, she's a child! Oh, so it's okay to watch a child murder somebody, but uh, ha- you know, have have an intimate moment as an adult. Yeah, that freaks people out. Um, was good reading- for her to get that moment though. I was that was I was glad for her, and it it didn't actually click into me until that point that yeah, this is something that. Like, her whole life has been misery and death. Was reading about the production of this value. It took 11 weeks for them to, this next episode. Oh, really? 11 weeks to shoot this, to produce it, all 
night shoots. They called they they I guess they called it the production. They they referred to it as the long night. Various actors have gone on to say it's the hardest thing they've ever had to do. <laughs> they hope to never have to do it again. It's also said to be the longest on-screen battle ever. But they t- took great care to frame this battle so we don't get battle fatigue. Right. I.e., like we just don't get overwhelmed by constant action. They've made sure that there isn't too much happening in any given scene. And also remember, and you referenced it by talking about when they turn around and have to deal with Cersei and the Golden Company, we still have the battle for the Iron Throne to worry yeah. about. We've got Euron Greyjoy and the, the Essos folks, the Golden Company, to worry so about. So four episodes left, three will be this big battle, and four, I imagine, will be moving pieces again, because either down to King's Landing or King's Landing up to here or, or to Winterfell, and then maybe they fight again in the fifth one, and then in the sixth one, they finally wrap tie up all the loose ends that they have to do in, in the show. Usually with HBO, it's that second last episode has sort of the greatest amount of action. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, like the placement of this episode is interesting, episode three, because let's just say, for example, if the White Walkers and the Night King are defeated, I guess that will lead us back to the Game of Thrones yeah. and who will sit on the Iron Throne. If they do go that way, obviously it'll be anticlimactic, but... It will do as the books and show have mostly always done, which is kind of subvert the typical fantasy slash heroic format where they take something you expect to go one way and then they swerve it to go completely another way. And Well, they've got so many loose ends to tie up that it's just going to take at least a whole episode, if not more, to do that. So they can't really have like a big fight as the climax and then just stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even like the Lord of the Rings Return of the King, that giant fight is, comes like halfway through that movie. Because it's so much stuff to yeah. to wrap it up with, which a lot of people did complain about. But that's a TV show. I don't think people complain as much. I just got an insane idea too. I wonder what if what if they somehow defeat the Night King, but turn him so that he now becomes their ally, where they don't like kill him or wipe out the army, oh. but they just turn him or turn him back. But he still has control over the army. Do you know what I mean? So now yeah, yeah. that army is marching towards King's Landing to conquer the Iron Throne on behalf um, of whoever ends up sitting on the throne because that also is a conflict. <laughs> the timing of that, too, is perfect where John and Daenerys have their little chat where he says, oh, by the way, just before we go into our, our death, possible death, uh, I have this bombshell to drop on you. So yeah. I'm going to make it weird. Yeah, it was a great episode. <laughs> Looking forward to the final four episodes. I hey, can't believe we're already saying the final four. We only have four episodes left, but the first two episodes were an hour each. And yeah. I think I think three or four of the episodes were said to be like an hour and a half, 80 minutes to an hour and a half. So I guess that's going to start uh, with this weekend's episode. Can't wait. Go. Up next on the Couch Potatoes, Jeff dropped a bomb on me when he said this week, hey, You're never going to believe which movies I watched. Can't wait to hear what he thinks about these two movies. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Going to talk some home video now. And here's a movie that's coming out this coming Tuesday. It's called Dragged Across Concrete. Please don't move. There's an issue with the bus you made. How long is this suspension? Six weeks. No pay. Yesterday, I was a cop. Today, I'm a poor civilian. We have no right to compensation. I'm sort of okay with the idea. Who the hell are those guys? Things are getting weird. We're heading into new territory. Start the party. There's a lot of imbeciles out there. 
Good title. Drag the Cost Concrete, in which Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn play uh, cops that get suspended and then they start a bank heist or whatever because they think they're owed the money or something weird like that. They're, they're rogue cops, Brett, gone mad. But I don't think... Apparently, it's got decent reviews for as like for what it is, a hard-boiled cop thriller kind of thing. But I, don't, I honestly don't think I'm in any mood to watch Mel Gibson again just yet. Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. Yeah, what, <laughs> what happened to Vince Vaughn? We haven't really seen him in a while either. Yeah, no, he's uh, it's weird. There's a lot of guys where you think, well, what happened to them? I haven't seen them in a while. Okay. State of movies. So those are on digital HD, or that is on Digital HD and Blu-ray DVD on Tuesday. Also on Digital HD, Fighting With My Family, starring Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. That was that movie where he plays himself, and it's about the family that uh, enters the wrestling world. Got great reviews, uh, surprisingly good reviews. I thought it would be, it looked like it might be kind of dumb, but it got great reviews, and uh, I actually want to check that one out based on a true story. Uh, happy Death Day to you. You had thoughts about that one, too, because you missed the first one, but the second one was good? Or I missed the first one, and I wanted to see it. It looked like fun. That's the one where yeah. it's like Groundhog Day, but it's a, it's a stabby With the, uh, thriller kind of movie. And the weird, creepy baby masks. Yes, and then I didn't even know there was a sequel coming, right. and the trailer for said sequel sequel ruined the ending of the first movie <laughs> that's on me like by the, that the time that the trailer came out for that the law of spoilers right. i'm sure is fine but they didn't they still could have done it in a way where they didn't reveal it's the weird ending in the trailer to do that because it does screw them out of some like your business for one thing right well no because I, I still could have gone to see it i could have watched the original and then gone to see it but i was kind of turned off yeah by the fact that they did that so exactly. i didn't bother also out on digital hd how to train your dragon the hidden world that's the third one i believe of those oh and my god the rebel wilson comedy isn't it romantic okay and that's the one where she's trapped in a romantic comedy isn't right she? Yeah, okay. yeah and all the little tropes of rom-coms come up in her real life and it's funny cool all right so i'm go. excited about this jeff has never watched these movies and now some thoughts on oh my god i'll be back so which ones did you watch i watched the the terminator the first one and terminator 2 judgment day i'd never seen either of them before i sort of wore it as a badge of honor it's like you know what i'm never gonna watch these movies that just blows people's mind because i'm born in 1976 and i should have seen them by now yeah but i never had and then this past weekend uh the terminator is on tv or it was on my PVR. It's been on TV a couple weeks ago. I guess I taped it, and I knew Terminator 2 was on Netflix. So I was like, "Ah, oh, let's just do a double feature." And that's a lot of gunfire for a double feature to watch both those movies back to back. The the most surprising thing for me was the "I'll be back" line, which I thought was like some just like some badass kiss off line that Schwarzenegger says before he blows somebody away. Yeah. It was a joke. He tries to get into the police station. They're like, the visiting hours aren't here. And he's like, I'll be back. And then he drives a car into the thing. Yeah. That was, I th- it was way funnier than I thought it would be. I oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it would be more serious when he says it. And then the hostel of Easter, well, you see that coming a mile away because the kid tells it to him. And, yeah. And it was actually, honestly, if you haven't seen these movies in a while, watching them both the same day is pretty amazing because they mirror each other in probably dozens of ways. Really? All the way through each one, it's like, oh, that's just like happened in the first one, but in the second one, ba 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 goes on and on and on like that. It's really cool. That second one, that's pretty... For, to think that that came out in 1991 is astounding, frankly. That's a... And that thing, that still holds up as an action movie, I thought. Oh, it's good. The action is tremendous. The visual effects, maybe not, but that was... Not bad. Groundbreaking stuff. And it look, it just looks so good. Like, I guess on it's an H... High def on the Netflix. It looks great. 
Yeah, like it, the, that movie, I think, cost a uh, hundred million dollars, I think. Was it? And they made the abyss just to nail down the effects so they could make Terminator, right? Probably. Cause yeah, because they, they had the water guy in the abyss, and oh, then they yeah. had the metal guy in. That's right. The yeah. Me- yeah, but no, those those. I really would like to see those movies again. I don't think I've ever actually watched them back to back. What was it like watching that movie? Because I saw the Terminator in the 1980s. But the effects are horrendously yeah, dated yeah. by now. So what was that? You like? could just tell that. Well, like I was like, oh, it's his first movie and he didn't have a budget, but he'd already made the Aliens movie by then, so he must have. What? No. I, no, I think Terminator was before Aliens. Really? I think Terminator is what put him on the map, James okay. Cameron, and then allowed him to make a movie like Aliens, where they trusted him. They're like, yep, this guy like is good with sci-fi. Cares about characters. Let's give him the reins. And I think from Terminator, it's obvious that it's like, oh, he knows how to stretch a dollar. Like, if we give him money, he'll make because he made that look it doesn't look great but he probably had very little money so i think for what he did there like when uh the short in the first one schwarzenegger's when the eye when his eye gets shot off and he's got the robot eye yeah that looks really bad you could tell he's got a whole half plastic face on yeah and just it looks ridiculous and this and in, by terminator 2 it looks great whenever that happens in either of those guys and but yeah, the first ones the effects aren't as good, but it was still I, I was all drawn into the the story of it all, and I liked that the cops were involved. Uh, I wish that Lance Henriksen and the other cop had come back in the second one. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you gonna watch Terminator Three: Rise of the Machine? Well, that's what I was wondering. I, I, and it's weird because after the second one, it's like, oh, they tied that up pretty nicely. Yeah, like they literally saved the future. So. How are these other movies even in existence? I thought, well, maybe there's other stuff from that war that they can show or something like that. But I also was like, I don't think people, I haven't heard anybody raving about any of the other sequels. So I like uh, Rise of the Machines. It's fun. It's got some great action in it. But that's the third one? The, yeah. But t- T1 and T2. If you don't watch any of the other ones, you're fine. Yeah, I think that's probably where I'll sit. Hey, I also watched Marley and Me, which was terrific. That was a great movie, and also uh, Air Force One, which has the worst effects I've ever seen. You've never seen Air Force One? Until this past weekend. we got to get into that another time, because <laughs> we are out of time. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother! Don't bother!